Securities offered through Securities America, Inc. Member FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, Inc. Investors Advantage and the Securities America companies are separate entities. The opinions and forecasts expressed are those of the author, may not actually come to pass, and should not be construed as a recommendation of any security or investment plan. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Welcome to Fiscal Fitness with your hosts, John Grace and Daniel Medina. They have all the questions about investing, planning, retirement, and the future. You could say it's all they live for. While it can seem daunting getting everything sorted out and the important questions answered, they'll do their best to make it that much easier. Now, here's John Grace and Daniel Medina. Good afternoon, America. So glad you could spend some time with us this afternoon. It's uh, John Grace and Daniel Medina here on Fiscal Fitness at Voice America. And boy, these uh, this first two weeks of, uh, of 2021 has made a lot of people feel like, let's just close the books in 2021 and let's start with 2022. Well, we had some wicked Wednesdays is what we can call them because this is our show on Wednesday. And today, at least it looked like things in Washington. It wasn't the district of confusion and the district of chaos, Washington, D.C., it was the uh, district of uh, control and the district of uh, we, we know what we're doing. So that that's a good sign, I think. We're going to be talking about that as well, along with uh, some of the things that we observe, both on um, as far as the markets are concerned and as far as the economy is concerned. We're going to talk about Social Security because that's a very big question that people ask, and many of us have the you know, we want to take it as soon as we possibly can. Uh, I'm going to ask Daniel to take the, the one side of the equation. I'll take the other side. I'm going to say, Daniel, what's your best reason for starting right away? Uh, and I'm going to come up with what's the best reason for waiting as long as you can. But this is how people think. And we think, frankly, by doing this kind of a conversation, it helps people really judge what makes sense to you. Because at the end of the day, it's a personal decision. And then we have, I'm delighted that uh, Dr. James uh, Rogers, my good friend in Atlanta, is with us today on the day of the inauguration, right? Uh, fancy that. And, and the, when we were speaking back in November, before the polls closed, he's in Atlanta, and I asked him, where do you think this is going to fall? He made it very clear to me that he thought we would see the um, Georgia flip blue uh, since what? The first time since 1992. Uh, at the White House, as well as the Senate. Now, remember, that was November 3rd. And by the way, let's just remember November 3rd. That was a beautiful day, wasn't it? Because we could have put boys and girls on buses, gone to every polling place in the country, and said, okay, boys and girls, this is how we do it. This is how we vote. It was calm, cool, and collected. So I'm looking forward to more calm, cool, and collected days where we have left less disruption uh, and less confusion and less uncertainty for the, the, the conversations that we need to have and the observations that we need to make to really get a sense for what's going on, as opposed to just drinking the Kool-Aid or um, you know, wearing the, 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 the rose-colored glasses that only have one perspective. No, even every coin has two sides. And then there's the, 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 the corner of the coin itself, right? The edge of the coin. We at least have two sides. I think it makes sense to look at both sides of the coin and you decide if you prefer heads or tails, but you need to look at both sides to decide which you prefer. So we're going to be turning to Dr. Rogers to ask him, what was he seeing uh, that made him so confident that there was no doubt in his mind in terms of how 
Georgia was going to flip blue. And, and because of what he shared with me, um, I went to look to see why he might think the way he does. And I'll share that with you because, as I say, so often we hear people tell us things and we want to believe them. And many times some of us do. But frankly, we don't really do our homework to recognize, is this perspective reasonable? Uh, again, is there another side to the equation? Or should I just accept the pablum that you want me to repeat? And frankly, folks, that's where I'm really afraid so many of us are just slapping down the pablum and repeating what we've been told, as opposed to doing some critical thinking. And frankly, it, it, it looks to me like many of us did not have much experience with being taught how to do critical thinking in school or on the job. So it just leaves us open to QAnon, for example. And, and right now it looks, at, from my perspective, as though uh, QAnon is uh, a, a parasite that is consuming the Republican Party. I, I sure hope the Republicans recognize that they, we cannot continue to go down this road and just let this happen to us. So we'll talk about all that. But, you know, we usually start with giving you a, a report as far as how the markets are doing. And we look at the Dow, the S&P, and the NASDAQ. We'll continue doing this. Of course, this is just what, uh, we're just into our third week of, uh, of the year. So we don't have a lot of history, but it's, it's that history of seeing how the markets are performing overall through the year, as opposed to what they're doing in the nanosecond, how it closed today, where you may be able to see a trend uh, or get a perspective as to what's going on as opposed to just looking at it. It appears to be going up to the moon and it's just not gonna stop. It just keeps hitting new highs every day. So here we are. Uh, it's been a positive day for the market. I think we're in record territories across the board. That suggests that the markets, at least at this point, are welcoming this unified government. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, historically, how has a unified government uh, performed with the market as compared to a divided government. And, and just so that you know, the stock market prefers a divided government. And to that point, it's, it's fascinating because if you are one party predominantly in the House, the Senate, and the White House, you can get something done. And yet uh, it, it's that stalemate that the market seems to, per, to prefer. And maybe it's because it, 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 it's greater consistency. You know, there's, there's less likelihood for things to really get done. So on the one hand, <laughs> when you live in a country, you want things to get done to be improved. On the other hand, to the extent that you have money in the market, you want it to go up. It is possible to have both. And again, it's not a winner or loser, one size fits all. So the Dow's up uh, like 252 points. That's a very robust day. All of 0.82% uh, so far just today. Um, and we're what, a little short of an hour from closing time. Year to date, we're up nearly 2%. That would be 1.83% from January 1st through today in real time. The S&P 500 is up 56 points, 1.49% gain just today. So for those with money on the sidelines, you kind of missed a nice day. Uh, and year to date, it, uh, the S&P 500 is up 2.63%. Then we look at the NASDAQ and it is uh, again, uh, leading the rest of the, the markets, uh, particularly this is technology stocks, right? Uh, a very nice gain of up 2.16% just today, 284.85 uh, points, and it's up 4.53% uh, today. So nice beginning as far as the, the, the market is concerned. And yet we would say that the pedal driving the economy forward 
is already to the metal. So when we look at, uh, we've got, you know, Congress has approved a $900 billion fiscal stimulus bill. Investors are anxious for more. It looks like there is more on the docket. Uh, households have saved trillions of dollars. Small businesses are increasingly better positioned to rehire workers when COVID-19 vaccines potentially catalyze state reopening. So that's a good thing. I mean, it, it's all the good news that the market loves. So we're saying that we, we got to also recognize that what goes up does come down. So the two of the factors that we think could choke this market at any time now might be uh, rising inflation, uh, interest rates, and uh, debt. Okay, so right now, the, I, I think the number to look for is the 10-year the, the, the treasury uh, yield. If it starts moving into the 1.4, 1.5 range, that's where you might begin to, begin to become a little concerned. Right now, we're about 1.1. That's the 10-year treasury yield. But what's more important, I like to say that it's not about the prediction. It's about the preparation. So while so many people believe that you know all trees grow to the sky, and this market's just could continue to go to Mars, there are others who are concerned that we could see a test of the lows that we saw before, a 20% loss, uh, you might recall fourth quarter 2018, 35% loss first quarter 2020. Some of the pundits we follow say this, this might be a trend. In other words, notice the second loss was lower than the first loss, 20% for the first, 35% for the second this might be a trend that there will be a test of these lows. And the next test, again, don't, don't try and time when you think what's going to happen. I think it's more important that we recognize some folks are recommending we could very well see a new low of 41 to 44%, maybe as early as uh, late spring. Um, and that might be the first leg down. So if, if, you, if we look at it from the worst case scenario, if for, let's just say, hypothetically speaking, there could be an 80% loss um, you know, in, baked into the cake this year, the question becomes, as the markets seem to be hitting new highs, how are you positioning your portfolio so that you can limit the losses? For example, hypothetically, uh, reality was we were off 35% first quarter 2020. If your account had been off, let's say 15 or 8%, you, you can see that it doesn't take so much to get back to even. But as you march past 35% to let's say 40%, uh, Daniel, our, our resident math man will remind us, we need a gain of like 60% just after losing 40%. So it, it, we find that savvy investors hate losses more than they love gains. And we're suggesting that we do everything we can to put systems in place that might limit the losses so that the hole doesn't get any bigger and we don't have to try and recover. We don't need so much effort, particularly if there is not time on your side or the gains take longer than you imagined or you are comfortable with. So we wanna limit those gains and that's the work we like to do. So uh, let's talk about Social Security. And uh, as I say, I, I want Daniel to take the first uh, notch here from the standpoint of what's your best reason to start Social Security well before 70, Daniel? 
Well, simply it's living expenses. According to the Motley Fool, uh, peak spending happens between 45 and 54 at 77,000 and at 55 to 64, it's at 69,000. And then going into 75 and over, it goes down to about 43,000. So for a lot of people that haven't saved enough money, they're going to need that additional income coming from social security just to keep their living expenses. And one of the key one of the key drivers there is is medical expenses, healthcare healthcare spending, and it, it it only it's one of the only things that continues to go up through your lifetime and doesn't seem to be coming down. So for a lot of people, the taking Social Security early can tend to make sense. And and I think it's something most people are very comfortable. In fact, uh, I remember doing workshops with representatives from we were able to bring into the equations people from the Social Security Administration, and the logic at that time was, you know, it's going to take you 15, 16 years to get back to even. In other words, by waiting till 70, for example, uh, it's going to take you a long time to get the same money that you would have already gotten over the last 16 year period. So we always advocated, yes, just start Social Security as early as you can. Uh, We see it differently. I see it differently these days. And it's all, as I say, it's all personal, okay? It's, uh, It's a private conversation. So what many people do, by the way, please make this a habit, Go to ssa.gov, that's the Social Security Administration.gov, at least once a year to see is Social Security giving you all the credit that you deserve for the income you are making, because that's how they determine your credits. But if you missed a job or two and that's not showing up on your credits, it's going to be your detriment from the standpoint of how Social Security derives your benefit. So please be in the habit. You you might get in the mail. Don't wait for that. Jump through the equation of answering all their questions so you can prove that you are you. But then once a year, no less than, go see that you're getting all your credits. And then don't just look to see how soon you can get how much, 62 for many of us, in some cases, it was it after born after 1960, uh, full retirement is as early as 67. What me- most of us do is we say, how soon can I get how much? And that's where we stop. And then, so look in the mirror and, and ask yourself, where do you think life expectancy or longevity is working for you? If you think you're not on the winning side of longevity, you're probably smart to begin Social Security right away. If on the other hand, you have other income and social security isn't necessary between let's say 62 or 67 and and 70, each year you defer starting social security, there is an 8% increase to your benefit. I don't know of anything that works like that. So if it is the case that you have income, you might continue to be working, you have other income so that you can use that income instead of social security. And as I say, if you think longevity is on your side, it's nice to look forward to an 8% increase every year. You can change your mind in any year that you'd like, but the uh, 8% increase does uh, tap out at age uh, 70. Uh, and that might be something that you think is, uh, is worth waiting for. Uh, and don't wait longer than age 70 because the increase uh, peaks at age 70. There's no reason to wait after age 70. Do you, do you think that's a, a, looking at it both ways, Daniel, does it, are, are we making some sense here? 
I think that's pretty fair. One of the things that we tend to do with our clients, because it really is an individual answer for everyone, because everyone's situation is different. So sometimes it makes sense for people to take it earlier. Sometimes it doesn't. And there's there's ways we can figure that out. Part of it is running different scenarios and doing what's called a Monte Carlo simulation. Um, that's going to take into account your savings, your spending increase for inflation. And that'll give us an idea on when we think is the best time for you to take Social Security. Um, but really, it's an individual answer. So there's no there's no right or wrong answer. It's really what makes sense for your situation. And if you could tell me exactly when you plan on dying, I could tell you exactly when is the right time to start taking Social Security to maximize your benefit. Unfortunately, no one can really do that. So, Yeah, nobody knows the future. And uh, this comes from longtermcare.gov. But just so that you know, this is uh, numbers for 2016, a semi-private nursing home room in the country, resident uh, cost is about $6,800 per month. Uh, and as of uh, January 2021, the average retiree gets approximately $1,500 a month from Social Security. So, you know, you could almost uh, double that typical Social Security benefit and it still wouldn't be enough to cover half the monthly cost of a typical nursing home stint. So yeah, these are all things that we have to uh, take into account. Uh, and we wanna look to see, have you saved enough to self-insure to cover the costs? Are you looking at a uh, long-term care policy when you're young and healthy enough so it's affordable? Uh, do you need to sell assets like real estate that you'll really no longer need in order to cover the cost? Now might be the time to do that, by the way, when prices are at these levels, or do you need to spend down your assets enough so that Medicaid will cover those costs for you? So well, that's our discussion on Social Security. We're going to go to a quick break. Uh, please uh, stay with us because uh, I want you to get all the new information that most of us are unaware uh, in terms of what happened in Georgia and what's happening in the country. And by here's a spoiler alert. It wasn't the, the white suburban women that flipped the switch blue for the Senate and the White House. So, uh, Daniel, give us our instructions, please. And we'll be right back after a quick break. You can find us on Facebook under Investors Advantage, on Twitter at Money on Course. Our website is www.ybpoor. You can send us an email at contact at ybpoor or reach us in the office at 805-495-2077. We'll be right back, folks. Stay tuned. Securities offered through Securities America, Inc. Member FINRA. And Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. At Investors Advantage Corporation, our trademark statement, the proof is in the planning, represents the value we see in hard work and perseverance, coupled with a sound plan for the future. With the challenges facing our country's frontline workers, we see a lot being asked and not a lot given in return. To reward our nation's frontline employees and clients, we're offering our financial planning services free for anyone serving in those roles. So whether you're a nurse, a member of the police force, or a retail employee, we'd love to sit down with you and help you plan for the other side of this pandemic. Please feel free to share this offer with the critical infrastructure workers you know who are providing services where they are most needed. Visit YB4.com or call us at 805-495-2077. That's YBPoor.com or 805-495-2077. We are located in Thousand Oaks, California. Thank you for your service and we look forward to lending a hand through your financial journey. 
Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Fiscal Fitness. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at ybpoor.com. Now, back to Fiscal Fitness. Welcome back, folks. John Grayson, Daniel Medina here. So delighted you could spend some time with us this uh, beautiful Wednesday afternoon. Uh, looking at Washington, D.C., there is hope for the future. Um, and, you know, th- this was uh, something I saw where the, one of the hosts on uh, one of the news channels, uh, right after the election, November 3rd, she said her son walked in the room and said, looked at the TV and said, Mom, what's going on? She says, you know, the funny thing is, uh, I don't talk politics with my son. I mean, he's all at five and he has a life. But I said, well, look, son, there's your new president and your new vice president. And he looked, she says, S.E. Culp, he looked at her and said, mom, you could be president. That's the America we all, I certainly enjoy the most. You can be what you want to be, all right? It doesn't matter what it is. doesn't matter where you came from. I want everybody to see hope, to feel like there's genuine a way to be hopeful. And when we look at, for example, the uh, president today, Biden, and uh, Vice President uh, Harris, here's what I see. Gee whiz, we have a, what is Biden this year, 78? That's, that's, that's unusual to be that old and to be president. On the other hand, we have Kamala Harris. Uh, what's unusual about her? Well, geez, first, she's a woman. That's, that's a very unusual. And she doesn't cover one ethnic group. She covers two, uh, Southeast Asia. And by the way, the people I know from Southeast Asia are very happy to see her show up in this position. And then she covers uh, African-Americans as well. Uh, and then she spent some time in Canada, if I'm not mistaken, in high school. So she, ha- she covers a lot of ground, <laughs> which I, I think is very, encouraging. And it, as I say, it makes most of us look at what we're seeing at this White House as compared to the last White House, where many of us who weren't white and weren't male, we weren't exactly welcome there. At least we didn't think so. And I don't know why anybody would. Uh, when we look at this White House, particularly when we look at the, the folks that are showing up to do the work, they're competent, they're educated, they're thoughtful. Uh, the Republicans, uh, my fellow Republicans, call them retreads because many of them served in the last administration, but they're not just throwing people under the bus, which was my experience of this last administration. So uh, as Janet Yellen said, the world is changing. She just said this yesterday, and I think that is so true. So we have uh, Dr. James Rogers with us. He's a, a diversity coach, a management and performance uh, specialist. He's a speaker. He's an author. He's been a resident of Atlanta 
for 35 years. And we were talking on November 3rd, again, that was election day when everything was calm, cool and collected. And he very calm, cool and collected in his own way said to me, uh, the, uh, the state of uh, uh, Georgia is going to turn blue and so is the Senate. And the rest of the people I talked to and the rest of the people we heard on that night and then up until what, January uh, for the vote in uh, for the Senate, the, uh, the recount uh, in, in, the, in, in Georgia, nobody imagined that uh, both of those things were gonna turn, turn blue. Both of those thing, events were going to occur. So uh, Jim, if you would please give us a sense for what made you so clear that uh, there was no doubt in your mind that both the Senate and the White House would be flipped to the, to the Democrats. So John, uh, one of the things that uh, I mentioned to you about myself, I'm an observer. In other words, I try not to get caught up in the rush of opinions of mm -hmm. one side or the other. Right. So I kind of try to step, stay back and pay attention to things and take an objective view about them. And here's a couple of things that I had noticed in the state of Georgia. Georgia has many more progressive thinking people than neoconservatives. That's always been the case for the last 10 to 12 years because people are, are, are moving to Georgia in droves and they're coming from places like New York and California and uh, Chicago and places like that. In my own neighborhood, DeKalb County, we're made up of a principally African-American uh, population except one corner of it is made up of people who work for CDC and Emory University. So we have both highly educated, highly literate people and a largely minority uh, population. I also know that DeKalb County is one of the largest uh, counties in Georgia and we move elections. So combination of those observations plus, of course, uh, my, uh, my friend who has been uh, running this, uh, this election movement all, all along uh, has been, gave me some confidence. And then I saw James Carville, who is a Democratic uh, operative on TV, and he had the same level of confidence. He said, you know, I call all my friends, I call them in every county, and he even called out, DeKalb County is going to make the difference. So um, since I live here, I have both friends, white and black, I have friends who are Republican and Democrat. It's important for you to know I'm an independent. I was an independent before being independent was cool. And so <laughs> it, was, um, it was clear to me, being an objective observer, that what might be different this time is turning out the vote. Historically in Georgia, here's what happens. We've had many runoff elections. And it's almost predictable in the past that when there's a runoff election, the Republicans win, and they win, win by large uh, margins for one reason. Progressives in Georgia just don't vote. That's just mm -hmm. a fact. Well, that changed. Stacey Abrams, in her run and in her work in this, in, this, uh, in this state, she observed the same thing that I did, and that's why she focused all of her effort not on trying to convince Republicans to vote Democratic, not on trying to convince independents to, to move uh, their vote, but on turnout. Because he knew that if, if uh, progressives turned out, there are more of them than there are conservatives in this state. And so it was, uh, like I said, it's beyond ideology. It's down, you know, I'm an, I'm an engineer by training. So me, to me, it's just down to math. If you look at the math, that was uh, inevitable. 
And in terms of the runoffs for the Senate, it's again a math problem. If you begin to look at uh, uh, the mix when, uh, when Purdue went below 50% and Georgia is unique in the way that we do those elections, you have to get 50% plus one vote in order to, it's not just the person who gets the most vote. You have to get 50% plus one. And so when he didn't do that, I said, oops, that's, that's gonna be a problem for the Republicans this time. And the reason is I knew Stacy and many others uh, working were gonna turn out the vote. And here's the, here's the math of it. Between the t November the 3rd and the January the 5th runoff, they registered nearly 100,000 young people in Georgia. And over 60% of them voted uh, in, in the blue column. Well, that's fascinating because uh, when you, as I say, I was impressed with your declarative statement and, in, and there, you, you didn't say, here's what I think. You said, here's how it's going to unfold. And I thought that's, that's fascinating. I'll have to keep my eye on this one. And uh, let me go in the meantime to look around and, and folks, I will share with you what I found then and what I went back to look at uh, subsequently, but it supports what uh, Jim Rogers uh, is, is talking about. And let's also appreciate that he's using a four-letter word most of us won't use. It's called math. And at the end of the day, math is so important. History is important. And we don't like studying history either. Budgeting is important. We don't like that. But the people who are affluent, guess what? They have no problem with any of those words. And I was really impressed with uh, Andrew Yang, uh, presidential candidate. I guess he's running for mayor of New York now. Who, remember, he was going around with a button on his lapel with the word math on it. And by the way, let me speak to this point, because one of the things that he said that totally impressed me was the addressing the question about where did the jobs for auto workers go? And he was asked that question specifically. And unlike some people, some of us not only know, but love, he didn't come up with an ethnic group or a group of people who took the jobs away. He made it very simple. It was technology. And yeah. let's just make it even simpler. When you're the consumer and you're looking at two products, yes, you'd like to buy American, but if my American, whatever it is, is 30% higher than the other alternative you're looking at, and you don't see that you're getting more value for your higher price, you're going to vote with your pocketbook. So math is a very, very important word and one that we should all be embracing. So I'm glad Jim talks about that. So let me kind of give you a little history from what I can see. Uh, this was uh, the surprising red state flip in the 2020 presidential election, right? Uh, Biden's victory in Georgia. And, and, and if you look at the transformation of Gwinnett County. It was the state's largest uh, suburban county. It is the state's largest suburban county. And it, and it shows exactly what happened. In the, in the good old days, like at the midpoint of the 20th century, uh, Gwinnett County was uh, just 32,000 inhabitants. It's what, 30 miles northeast of Atlanta. More than 95% of them white. Scarcely 2% of the residents had completed four years of college and only 25% of the workforce held professional or managerial jobs. Very different than the group that Jim just described. Uh, who could have imagined that today, Gwinnett County would be home to nearly 950,000 people and one of the most diverse counties in the country. So here are the numbers. What we saw is the Gwinnett had its uh, white population swell by $100,000 from, I'm sorry, 100,000 people from 1960 uh, and 1980. Uh, the county also grew with the arrival of thousands of white 
migrants from elsewhere in the country, drawn by the dynamic metropolitan Atlanta economy. By 1990, some 387,000 people, or more than nine out of 10, were white in Gwinnett County. So then we look again, and we look today, and here's what fascinates me. 30% of Gwinnett uh, County residents in, in 2020 happened to be black, 30%. Now remember, the press said the reason that Georgia and uh, flipped blue was primarily because of white suburban women, college educated, who went for Biden. Well, that's not what I'm seeing. I, it's a good answer, and I'm sure they had some impact, but here's the driver, 30% were black just last year. And guess what? Uh, when it comes to Latin Americans, they represent 20% of the county's population. Well, let's see, 30 plus 20, that's 50, doing very easy math. And then we round out with the Asian descent uh, in 2020 that accounted for 13% of Gwinnett's population. So let's see, uh, 20 plus 30 is 50 plus 13. That's 63. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Game over. <laughs> okay. That's problem, isn't it? It's just that's a minute. Just right there, okay? Yeah. Three three groups of people. Yeah. So it, it's it, this what we like to use this to point out is people are always looking to try and understand the economy. And and unlike most of our peers, and I mean in my from what I know, nine out of ten, we don't pay for independent research. We've been paying up to ten thousand dollars a year for independent research since 1990. Now I have to tell you, when I'm writing that kind of a check, <laughs> sometimes annually, um, I read it three o'clock in the afternoon, three o'clock in the morning, because these this source doesn't have an ax to grind. They're completely independent. They're, they're in the way of uh, uh, Shirley Chisholm, first of African-American that ran for president as, as a black minority. Uh, her book was titled Unbought and Unbossed. So when you have people who are looking at the data, they see the larger perspective as to what's, what's going on. And if you looked at uh, Georgia, you, you, maybe you never looked, but if you looked at it 20 months ago or 20 years ago, you're suddenly shocked, but you didn't see the changes that were happening. So our simple way of explaining demographics is developing the habit. Most of us haven't been taught this, so we're cert we can't be good at it. And looking at the buying and selling behavior of ordinary Americans first, first ordinary Americans, second affluent Americans. And I point that out because so many of us have some education and we have friends well, of different complexions, but for the most part, the friends have the same kind of education and income as you do, which makes you draw the conclusion, everybody's like us. No, they're not. So let's look at the Homer Simpsons, if you will, of the world, of the country first and foremost, and then look at the, at the affluent people, but in that order. So when we study the demographics, it's not a surprise at all that uh, Gwinnett County and, and Georgia in general uh, flipped blue. And given what's happened, certainly in the last two weeks, I don't see that changing <laughs> anytime soon. W what are you seeing these days, Jim? Uh, I think you're right. Uh, and the thing that I want to see happen, I, I love the people of Georgia. I have uh, friends of all uh, ethnic persuasion, all racial persuasion. And uh, most of my white friends are more liberal than I am. I'm, I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of on the fence in terms of being a fiscal conservative, but a liberal, a socially liberal. Uh, and and what I would say is what you just said is so true. The people that I have around me kind of think like I do, and many of them are also independents, uh, and many of them have voted for Republicans and Democrats. So the blueing of Georgia, 
I don't want it to turn into a we won and you lost situation. So one of the things that, I'm, I, that I speak about is objectivity. I want Georgians to get to the place where we have balance. I don't want the Republican Party to go away. I don't want Democrats to, to go back to where we were before uh, 25 years ago when Zell Miller uh, was, uh, Zell Miller and Roy Barnes were our two last uh, Democratic uh, governors. Uh, I want there to be balance. I want us to select the best person, regardless of party. John, I wrote a, um, an article, uh, and you know I, I post all my articles in Medium. Yes. And it was called Corporate Complicity. It was talking about the fact that our corporations are really complicit in the way that we vote, in the way in the outcomes that we get politically. We get what we, what we ask for. And majority of corporate people tend to trend towards one party or the other. Mm-hmm. So much so that in order to work at Company X, whether you believe in it or not, you need to vote Republican or you need to vote Democratic, whatever the, the, pers- the persuasion happens to be. And what I said in my article is that uh, that is unhealthy and uh, it's not good for commerce, but it also tells them that they can buy our politicians. One last thing that I'll say. I have a philosophy about politicians. I know a lot of them, and I know that a lot of them really set out to want to do good. But in order to do good, you have to get elected. And in order to get elected, you have to do bad. (laughs) So I've seen some really good people do some really idiotic stuff just to satisfy the people that they want to vote for them. So if I'm calling for anything, and I say this about my fellow Georgians, is let's go back to sanity. Let's tell that our politicians, I want you to act rational and sanely to get my vote, rather than acting like an idiot to get my vote. <laughs> acting like an idiot, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like some of the people I was certainly watching on January 6th, and, and, and in terms of acting like an idiot, let's see, you're, on t- you're putting yourself on TV as you're committing felonies. I mean, I mean, really? And you're laughing about it? And you think this is funny? Oh, and then you go home spreading the virus all the way. And guess who's waiting for you? The FBI. You don't seem to be laughing anymore. I mean, if I'm guilty of running a red light, Jim, you can count on me for not taking a picture of me, my car, and my license plate and blasting it all over the world and then expecting just to get away scot-free. That's pretty idiotic. So we're going to come back and I want Jim to talk a little bit about uh, white supremacy from his standpoint. It's, a, it's, it's one of those things. Let's, let's talk about it, okay? We'll also look at how the markets have performed given a divided government versus a unified government. That's one of those concerns. And then we want to look more, dive deeper in terms of what's going on in the country relative to demographics. So we'll take a, a, a quick break. Please stay close and we'll be right back. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. At Investors Advantage Corporation, our trademark statement, the proof is in the planning, represents the value we see in hard work and perseverance, coupled with a sound plan for the future. With the challenges facing our country's frontline workers, we see a lot being asked and not a lot given in return. To reward our nation's frontline employees and clients, we're offering our financial planning services free for anyone serving in those roles. 
So whether you're a nurse, a member of the police force, or a retail employee, we'd love to sit down with you and help you plan for the other side of this pandemic. Please feel free to share this offer with the critical infrastructure workers you know who are providing services where they are most needed. Visit YB4.com or call us at 805-495-2077. That's YB4.com or 805-495-2077. We are located in Thousand Oaks, California. Thank you for your service and we look forward to lending a hand through your financial journey. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Fiscal Fitness. To reach the show today, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You may also send an email to contact at ybpoor.com. Now, back to Fiscal Fitness. Welcome back, folks. John Grayson, Daniel Medina here on Fiscal Fitness, uh, 12 to 1 every Wednesday. Uh, look forward to your joining us every week. And as you know, you can join us live or uh, feel free to listen to the recording after the fact. And by the way, uh, I too am an author of a book. And if you'd like a copy of uh, my, my current book, uh, just give us your email address and we'll be happy to send the Kindle version to you uh, because we want everybody to um, make finance makes sense and, and strive to win. And there are ways that that can be done. And it's under a hundred pages and it's less than $16, whether it's eBay or at uh, Amazon. So, you know, I will not be getting rich off of this book, but we want folks to understand this is a game you can play to win in understanding how to get your finances in order. So um, we were delighted that uh, Dr. Rogers, James Rogers in, from Atlanta is here with us to help us give us some perspective in terms of what's really going on in the economy. Uh, relative to the demographic changes. Uh, we'll be talking about with him uh, white supremacy, and we'll also be looking at uh, some of the demographic changes that we're noticing that most people aren't. So th those are things that we will cover. But let's start with one of the things that people have as a misperception, Daniel, and that is that uh, the stock market uh, really relishes a, a, uh, a divided government. And that's exactly what we're not seeing. But is that bad news to have the House, the Senate, and the White House in, in one party? Not, not at all, actually. I'm looking at information. This is the source here is S&P 500, looking back at annualized returns for all different kinds of, of governments. And that's where the same party controls the presidency and Congress and where it's divided, and they're all positive. Now, where it does best is a republic, a democratic pre a president, and a republican-controlled Congress at annualized eighteen point three percent per year. And this goes back just a couple of years, or back longer than that? Back to nineteen fifty. 
Uh, that's a good gauge. So just about 70 years worth yeah, of data. Yeah, 2019. Okay. Yeah, just about 70 years worth of data. Well, that's probably worth uh, looking at. Yeah. <laughs> All and right, so that's the best. And what else do you see? Well, where we're at today, a Democrat president and a Democrat, a Democratic Congress is annualized 13.2%. And okay. this is certainly counterintuitive for me, but in all the years where it's a Republican president, um, they're lower than, than a Democratic president, except when it's a divided Congress. Okay. And when it's unified? When it's unified, Republic, Republican, Republican, 9.4. All right. Do you have unified for Democrat, Democrat, all three Democrat? Democrat, Democrat, 13.2. That's at that 13. So that's interesting. One would think all Republican, the numbers would be higher than all Democrat. Not at all. But that's the that's reverse of how we think. And that's why it's so important, as uh, Jim Rogers is saying to us, that we be observers and we pay attention and we go look at the data and not just believe what everybody is just fomenting. Uh, the economy only does great under Republicans. I mean, you know, those, that's fascinating. Uh, that's a, what that's about a 30, 35 percent difference. In other words, the, the, the completely Democratic uh, triad. Uh, House, Senate, and and uh, White House did better by about 30, 35% as compared to all three being Republican. Is that right? That's right. And that's annually. That's correct. That's that's the kind of information most of us have no clue about. That's why we like to study these things. So speaking of studying things, Jim, um, tell us a, your take on this, 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 this phrase that some of my friends are afraid to use or acknowledge is there such thing as white supremacy? Oh, by all means, there is. It's a real live phenomenon. And it has been with us for 200 plus years. And every once in a while, it'll go underground. And then when in the, the environment is right, it'll raise its head again. But to talk about what Daniel just said about the numbers, that's why I'm so uh, insistent that people pay attention to data. Because mm -hmm. both political parties specialize in hyperbole. <laughs> they sure. will tell you things to get you to follow. And, and the only objective is we want to be in power. So in order for us to get in power, I got to get you to believe one thing or the other. The history of white supremacy is um, in, in America is just part of our history. Unfortunately, we make it an us versus them. It's not an us versus them. It is us. It has always been a part of our history. I can tell you some stories about my own family history where Klansmen have come and, and, and pulled up to the, uh, the porch of my grandfather's farm uh, simply because he was one of the best farmers in his area. And so I can tell you that it's always been there. The danger is when we allow politicians to make it okay and we don't continue to work on perfecting this union. Perfecting this union, we've got to address our original sin, which is the sin of racism. That is the only thing that keeps us from being a near a perfect republic. And, and as long as that takes place, and as long as we keep an us versus them mentality about it, uh, it's, I think it's going to persist. So what people do, the reason white, white supremacy uh, persists is because there are people who are afraid. They're afraid. Things are about to change. I do a lot of work as a management consultant in change. No human being really relishes change. We like things to stay the way that they are, the way that we're comfortable. 
And when change comes about, it challenges us uh, tre uh, tremendously. My good friend, uh, uh, Andy Young, who uh, worked with Dr. King, uh, he uh, sits across the aisle from me in church and, and he talks about this quite often. He has such a, 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 a genuine mindset about it. We need to just love each other into doing right, is what he says. So he, 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 he takes no qualms about saying that white supremacists are just sick. Let's treat them like sick people. Mm. They're afraid. Let's alleviate their fears. They're afraid that the, that the world that they grew up in will no longer be because of the browning of America. Now we look at that, the three of us look at it, that's just a fact. That's neither good nor bad, that's, that's just data. If you look at the data, this is what's happening. The response we've had to come up with, how do we get people out of their, what I call, out of their holy huddle, or, or you know, in, in their little pods of, of, of uh, belief systems, and get us all to talking so that we can think to me about because of my brown skin. I am not your enemy. In fact, uh, the, the natural alliances in our country should be poor people against the top 1%. If you look historically, you will realize that the middle class was orchestrated by the top 1%. Mm. If you look at it, you'll say, we need a buffer between us and the poor people. We'll give the middle class enough so that they feel comfortable and they, can, they will uh, operate with us against the poor as opposed to working with the poor against us. And so that has been part of our history. And until you have that perspective, it's going to be easy for people to be persuaded by a loud talking argument that really doesn't make any sense. Well, in looking at, we were talking about uh, the uh, characteristics of our president and vice president, looking at the characteristics of our, your senators out of uh, Georgia, it, it's, it's also kind of interesting. Is it right that John Ossoff is uh, 33, the youngest senator? In, uh, younger than Joe Biden was when he went into the Senate. Okay. And he's Jewish, if I'm not mistaken? And he's Jewish. Okay, that, that's encouraging, all right? It There's is. For everybody at the table. I don't know and if you know anything about the history of Georgia, but that is significantly significant. I understand, having visited the South, I can appreciate what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the good Reverend uh, Warnock, uh, he is the uh, presiding pastor, if I'm not mistaken, of uh, Dr. King's church, is that right? Ebenezer Baptist Church? He is. Uh, and he's he is. the first African-American representing Georgia? He is the first African American center. center. Okay. And what was interesting about the election, if you might, if, if you'll allow me just uh, to, to take this commentary, is uh, his opponents, and I, I would just tell you this objectively I'm, I'm an independent, so I wasn't concerned about party, but the two Republican candidates to me were just very weak. They were just not representative of the Georgia that, we, that exists now. One of the things that, that happened was uh, Senator Leffler, and not her, but her campaign, used Reverend Warnock's sermons as, as, uh, as a means to try to, to demean him. Mm -hmm. One of his sermons that she put up that really intrigued me was he said, America needs to repent for their worship of whiteness. Yes, yes. That is deep and profound. Yes, it is. And when he gets to the Senate, if he can keep that in front of us, 
we call ourselves uh, spiritual people, religious, Christian, whatever, and yet we worship an ethnicity as opposed to worshiping a higher being. So what she thought that was going to hurt him, but in fact, it helped him with a lot of independence, uh, especially people who still go to church. We're used to that type of what we call prophetic preaching. And yes. Warnock is amongst the best of them. He's amongst the best. And so he gained a lot of support simply because of how she was campaigning against him. Well, and let's look real quickly at how the country is becoming more racially and ethically diverse. So you're right. There is a browning of America, and some people have issues with that. But look at Japan. We thought they were going to be number one in GDP. That did not happen. I would say real quick, two reasons, no uh, baby boom generation and no immigrants. We had right. both. Okay, right. and, and guess what? We're not done. If we look at the change, you know, looking for data from PRB uh, organization, uh, and that's Public Reference Bureau, they're looking at numbers from 2010 to 2020. The white population has increased all of 1%, uh, African Americans 10%, Asians 32%. Now, I think they're the fastest growing ethnic group in the country. Here's where it gets even more interesting. Uh, guess what group is at 36%? That would be children that are two or more races, two yeah. or more races. So mm -hmm. some people are having real problems with this, but I know looking at my family and looking at, I can look at four families in my mind right now. And guess what? They're, they aren't the same. The husband and the wife are from two different ethnic groups. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? That's not changing. So I, I, I would submit that there's the real hope for America, folks, in that we're not getting a whole lot more races, white supremacists of, across the country. They're all old white people trying to make noise like it's Custer's last stand. We know how well that turned out. And you've got these folks who are mixed race and more Asians and Latinos and, and pretty flat with black people, some growth, but not a, 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 a large number. And yet the white population is in decline. And maybe that's why they're so mad, Jim, because they can see that things are changing and they're not ready for that. But as I try to say to my folks by comparison, looking at Japan, we knew they were going to be number one. That did not happen. And it did not, it did not happen because of the advantages that the U.S. enjoyed by virtue of having 76 million people uh, born here and a whole bunch of folks who came here or became children of some of those that came here as immigrants. That's been a huge advantage for the U.S. And, and, and there is a browning of, of America, and I think there's a browning of the world. Meantime, here's one of the big differences that has, is changing right before your very eyes. For the first time ever, we now have more people globally, 65 and older than five and younger. Yeah. Really? Yeah. When's the last time that happened? That would be never. Yeah. So for us to say, we've got to make it go back the way it was. I got news for you. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> Smile, get over it, bring people to the table, have a conversation and don't drink the Kool-Aid. And in terms of uh, things not to do or things to do, keep, please, this, this uh, virus is a, a disaster of epic proportions. So please, please watch, uh, wash, where and add one W to those three W's, wait to be in a good group because we need to survive the things that are going on so that we can form a more perfect union. That's what it's all about. Uh, party shot, Jim? The observation that you just made about Japan is another piece of data. I used to work in TQM. We think that we borrowed that from the Japanese. It actually originated here. 
they took it over and made good good for it and then it imported it back to us. But the thing is, I predicted then Japan would not win this would win this battle because every once in a while they would allow a few Chinese to come in as workers, but they never integrated them into their society. They never make them fully Japanese. Any society that is based on one ethnicity is not going to win. I tell people that the reason that America wins is because we have different perspectives at our, at our disposal. So um, I think our politics is starting to reflect the reality of who we are. And I just would invite people to um, take advantage of who we are. We'll leave it there. One last number I did not give was the 23% increase for Latinos. Most people think Latinos, particularly on the West Coast, are the fastest growing group. They're number two. It's Asians at number one. Fascinating to see the data and recognize what's really going on here. So glad to have you, uh, Dr. Rogers. Thank you for being with us. We are going to have you back again. Folks, Daniel Medina and John Grace will see you next week right here on Voice America with Fiscal Fitness. Thanks so much for joining us. Stay safe, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning to Fiscal Fitness. Please join John Grace and co-host Daniel Medina again next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have an excellent week.